0: Purple Squirrel is the title of Molly's current exhibition on picture book illustrator and writer Chris Houghton, curated by the writer Sarah Webb. Chris Houghton, based in London, has written and illustrated six books, A Bit Lost, Oh No George, Shh, We Have a Plan, Good Night Everyone, Don't Worry Little Crab, and Maybe. Houghton is often among the very first Irish writers encountered by young children and the exhibition is a lovely opportunity for children to walk through Houghton's classic story a bit lost while collecting souvenir animals along the way. When Chris Houghton visited Molly's exhibition last summer we jumped at the chance to record an interview with him about his work. For this conversation, recorded in Molly's colourful learning room in July 2021, Houghton is joined by Molly's director, Simon O'Connor, as well as Zoe Brady, who is part of our team here at Molly. Zoe holds an MPhil in children's literature and was involved in the research process behind the exhibition. To see our exhibition Purple Squirrel with your own eyes, just visit molly.ie to book your tickets.
1: It's great to have you here, Chris. Uh, Thank you very much. Thanks for for taking the time to come visit us in the museum uh, and to visit your own exhibition. One of the, the main reasons that we wanted to collaborate with you on the exhibition um, was, uh, it wasn't for us, it wasn't just about making an exhibit for, for really young readers or very kind of small people, um, but it was also, I think, an opportunity for us to show our adult audience um, that might sometimes be a more serious literary audience, uh, that actually we take we take children's literature and picture books actually very seriously here and seriously as an art form. Um, and uh, and I suppose to kind of bring that, turn that into a question. Um, do you think that picture books uh, are held in the esteem that they deserve to be held in? Um, n- no,
2: I, I, I don't think they're um, held in, in the same esteem as, as, you know, I mean, sort of high literature or, or um, literature. Um, and I think it's it's a shame. I think you know potentially they're so it's so interesting. You know, communicating to very very young children and trying to figure out you know what motivates them, and you know there's, it's you know if you think about uh, human brain developing and, and what what they're seeing, what what inputs is is, is coming in, and, and what they're reacting to you know, it's just kind of a, it's the raw thing of what drives us and, and what um, what really makes m- makes us tick and, and stuff like that. And to sort of, you know, I mean, young children can't, they, they don't have the, the language that we have, but they can respond visually and they can see things and recognize things. So, you know, I mean, I, I just think it's such a fascinating area. And I like, I don't think, you know it's kind of uh that they're thought of, I think, you know, similar to to uh like cartoons or or, or um graphic novels, I think, have been up until recently. And I, I remember I, I saw Chris Ware give a talk uh in Edinburgh a few years ago, and somebody said something about, you know, do you think uh. Sort of picture or not picture books, but um, sort of uh, graphic novels and and things are taken seriously. And he was like, "No, I don't." I, um, and I'm so grateful for that because it doesn't have any of the sort of, <laughs> you know, um, everybody who does it absolutely loves it, and and there's none of the there's a or there's a little bit less of that ego sort of thing where it's like this is what this is. Uh, and, and I, I, I thought that was, a, a, you know, that's kind of ha- how I think of it as well. The, 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 there's a little bit less of, uh, you know, the, this culture of, of, of uh, you know, absolutely high respect for, for, for it. It's just about doing things that you love and, and really trying to connect with the audience. And, and uh, yeah, there's something very interesting about that.
1: That's, yeah, that's kind of, it's, it's interesting, something you touched on there um, a few minutes ago when you were talking about uh, that kind of creative act and that the audience are involved in that creative act as well. And I remember Edna O'Brien, I think it was, said something very uh, interesting once about how important it was for an artist to remain in touch with the, their kind of inner child, you know, and that act of play. Um, so maybe it's something like, you know, the world that you're operating in, in you know, s- has full permission to remain within the playful space and maybe that actually makes it a really healthy creative thing
2: yeah absolutely i I mean you know children and play and the imagination it's um i mean it's what drives us like i mean to be honest it, it, it seems to be much more interesting to me um what children are responding to because that that's kind of what we've what we're programmed to to respond to th- then we kind of we remove ourselves a little bit about you know from from what you know the sort of the interests the children have and, and becomes more sophisticated and more learned behavior but you know there's just there's all of these things that we're just responding to like uh so immediately and you know i I look, like as an artist, I'm sort of, you know, oh, that image, that will make you sort of go, oh, and this will make you go, ah, and, and it's, so, it's so fun to, to do that, put, put, you know, and it's just a very immediate, very um, visual communication.
1: Hmm. Um, it's quite, um, it, it kind of, it flies in the face, actually, in a way of a lot of the kind of, uh, uh, the kind of modernist tenets of, you know, uh, not really caring about your audience, you're in fact like kind of care really deeply about your audience and how they engage with the work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm doing it for, for, for myself, for my own entertainment as well, but I'm thinking of um, how is a child going to, you know, it, it, it has to be done in a way that's kind of universal and kind of, um, you know, if I'm t- telling a, like a, a very specific story, like you have to find the universa- universality in that and and kind of go, okay, you know, I would like to think that the the, the sort of emotions and uh, dilemmas that all of the characters that, you know, happen with all of the characters, like, can resonate with everyone. And not, not only everyone, but I, I would imagine quite a few animals as well, you know, I mean, when I'm writing about oh no george the uh the dog like you know it's i think it's quite clear that you know dogs get that they sort of uh feel sorry if they've done something wrong and, and this sort of thing so th- th- this is you know it really is universal this sort of um uh this this emotional kind of uh thing i think you know yeah every mammal can yeah uh,
1: and and you know what's interesting as well is is that that universality is um i mean that is the stuff of all of the of all of the high adult uh literary art as well you know i mean i kind of i remember like uh talking to people when we were working on this exhibition, saying, oh, we're working on, with, on this exhibition on Chris Houghton. This would been friends who didn't have kids, you know, and they're like, who's Chris Houghton? I said, well, I said, it's interesting. It's kind, you know, it's actually a lot of similarities to Beckett, you know. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, because that was a touchstone for them, I could say. But, you know, like, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, there's an incredible economy in terms of language. Um, there is a universality in terms of, you know, there are like, there are simple tasks that are happening. There are kind of obstacles there's an environment, a um, much more colourful environment, uh, but, uh, but 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 that, that stuff is kind of still in there.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So kind of drawing off that idea of play, and as you were saying, the idea that as you get older, reading has to go from this kind of more fun communal activity to something kind of quiet and sophisticated and solitary. And you were saying that in your creative process of collage, um, it gives you kind of freedom creatively and literally because you're getting to rearrange things constantly. And also your good use of kind of paratext and the likes of the puppets. And would you say there's something maybe kind of inherently theatrical about your work and you'd maybe want to encourage theatricality when your readers are looking at it?
2: Yeah, well, when I'm writing a book, I have to be thinking that it's... You know, it's not just uh, being read and the, you know, the audience looking at the pictures. I'm, I have to persuade the, the adult who's reading it to sort of, you know, engage with it. And, and it's, I'm asking them to sort of perform it or read it out to, to the, the audience. So it's kind of, you know, it's almost like writing a, a, a stage play or, 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 or um, s- script because, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm asking a performer to perform it, really. Um, that actually only occurred to me as I was, you know, I made my first book uh, a bit lost. And the second book, Oh No, George, I, w- I was working with Walker Books in the UK with Deirdre McDermott and um, David Lloyd. And David Lloyd was my editor. And he got into children's books because he was uh, a clown and... Um, for twelve years, he was going around the UK in a caravan doing uh, performances for children, and so I, I would arrive in, in Walker Books and I'd, I'd show my latest draft of, of, of the book, and he would always take it and he would sort of take it and read it, and then you could kind of see that he, he was like, you know, using how can I be funny with this this uh, uh, this using it kind of as a script and then he would read it out and then I got to see you know my own words sort of being performed back to me and and that was I mean that's really all it took (laughs) to be an editor because you know you just see a really master storyteller telling your story back and and you know it It made me realize that this, this is, it isn't images and text, it's a, it's a script. And before, I mean, I studied graphic design and I was an illustrator for many years and I kind of thought of picture books as kind of like a, like an animation or or like, um, I I never really thought of the performance side of it. and. so that that was something clicked with me then when when I, I saw this and and just these sort of editorial meetings where um uh it was just david being a clown um and yeah it it's it, it's it's so important i mean and and this is you know w- with all of kind of oral culture and and um storytelling there's it's, it's performative, it's, um, you know, there's things, there's actions that you repeat. Um, and I think that's, it's so fascinating. I, I, um, just before, well, not before lockdown, but in, in 2019, um, I did uh, a course with Ben Haggerty uh, in storytelling in, in, in London. And um, he's, he set up the Crick Crack Club. Um which is like a kind of a, a storytelling club that they 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 perform in in um, British Library and, and British Museum and, and all sorts of amazing venues. And they've actually built their own um uh Bronze Age uh <laughs> storytelling venue. Um <laughs> uh, I think it's in Devon or somewhere out that way. Um and he he's he's really into kind of um you know. He, he was a puppeteer he 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 studied as a puppeteer and then realized that he preferred like he he was he was basically get getting rid of the puppets and then he ended up just telling stories and he said it's kind of more powerful to to just use the word and the I mean yeah the crick crack club is absolutely amazing crick crack club comes from this haitian um uh, storytelling tradition where the storyteller says "crick" and the audience says "crack" and then they go "crick crack crick crack" and and then they they share a story. And the, uh, Haiti has, has this amazing uh, oral tradition of, of sort of storytelling coming from Africa and 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 all of this. And um, if there's a really interesting like a lot of the the storytellers in the cricket Club are, are all Caribbean and a lot, you know, uh, Scottish and, and uh, uh, Ben Haggerty lived with a, a Scottish traveller family for, um, I think, years um, and would pick up stories from them, like literally uh, that they, they said, you have to you have to be smoking when you're telling a story. So he was like, I <laughs> had this, you know, uh, special brew cider and and a cigarette <laughs> and would tell stories uh and they had all these amazing stories and what they were get, getting them from everywhere like he was like recognizing that's it, from greek things and but there was no 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 that that's ours that's that's a traditional Scottish story and he's like no it's not he knew like all, all of these you know where a lot of them them came from but he realized that that's the beauty of of oral culture is just you just mix everything take it as your own and then retell it and and you're more than welcome to do that because that's what that's what it's all about um anyway I'm sort of digressing here but
1: it's it is interesting though Krista, because you, you you know cause you were talking about it, it was, it was when Zoe was talking about theatricality and you're saying you know that, that there is that just the performative component but then it's oral as well because actually with your books um, and certainly my experience of them um, is that the performer when I was reading your books the performer was me uh, uh, and I was performing the books to my kids and they're receiving it as oral yeah as oral yeah. culture yeah. that's what it is it, it,
2: it's completely oral and and um, all of the tricks of sort of oral, thing, you know, the the rule of three, you know, all of our stories and uh, jokes, you know, it's usually in in threes, uh, you know, paddy Irishman th- things and all, all, all these things. Um, this happens, this happens, and then this happens, and uh, and it it just sticks in your head, and and um, even if you're not like you know any any texts you're you're able to go back through it if you if you didn't pick it up the first time or oral stuff you have to um you have to go I mean I mean your audience is there it's just hearing it and and uh the jokes have to have to land and they have to um if you didn't pick up the first one you'll get the second one you'll get the third one um still so yeah
1: i mean it makes me think about kind of the page turns in 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 your book as well and all of these kind of components that make it easier for the performer to pull it off you know yeah. as well Um uh, there are kind of virtuoso i suppose well there there are children's books and picture picture books that require you to be a virtuoso performer like the dr seuss books Um, where your kid laughs at you getting kind of tongue-tied with it all and not being (laughs) able to do the right performance whereas yours you give a lot of room uh, which is interesting actually because you know it's like in music you know if you if you give a score to a musician and and they find it easy they can bring more of themselves into it as performers yeah yeah exactly yeah Something I'm kind of I'm, I'm I'm really interested in is I, I know you had said before that, um that you're a, you're an illustrator first and a writer, uh second, um but you know and I was so excited when I found out that you made all your own typefaces for the book. So obviously those words, I mean even the kind of the, the, the physicality of the words are really important to you. Like I mean, what role do you see typography playing in it? Um,
2: when I started out, I, um, I mean, I really wanted to make a picture book, but, and I, and I knew I could do the illustrations, but I just, I wasn't completely comfortable about like, you know, uh, if, you know, I was a writer or whatever, so I just put all of my energy into telling the story visually. And so, you know, I, I mean, literally I, uh, the very first page of the first book, a bit lost, um, you know, I was struggling for ages, you know, what will I say, oh, the mummy owl is, and um, the baby owl are there during, the, there's the sunset and, uh, uh, and in the end, I just uh, stripped it all out and just wrote, uh-oh, you know, uh, when, right where the, the, the baby owl is falling. So it's sort of integrated into the illustration, you know, the, all of the text is part of the illustration uh and because the text pops around the the, the the page uh just following where the character is um you know and then uh, say like with the uh the crab it's tick-tack tick-tack and you know so you are sort of reading that as you're reading the the footprints of the the, the crab going through so yeah th- that's um if if I put regular type along like that, it just kind of looked weird with my wonky illustrations. I, I needed to have have my the typeface look a little bit wonky in order to make it kind of look mm. together to make it look a, a whole. Because I like I knew I wanted to make the 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 text sort of come around and uh, with the illustrations, but it just I just couldn't make it look good. I was drawing it myself uh, for, for some of the originals, um, and I thought that yeah, like, can we not print a book with my my handmade type? And the publisher said no, you'd have to do lots of languages, and you know, it would it would just be too much. <laughs> um, so yeah, we we made a typeface, and I, I've been working with the same typographer for um, all the. I mean, we've been. Adapting and and using pretty much the same type, but uh, we've we've usually made a, a new
1: typeface for each one, depending on 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 what requirements for each. Yeah, and um, and then as you say, yeah, the challenges that that throws up then when you start going into um, particular translations where it's a wholesale redesign of the of the thing. That's uh, you're really showing commitment <laughs> to your old typefaces. Then. Yeah, no,
2: I mean I would never be able to. It, it, it's it's quite a. I, I always do the, the the front cover, the uh, the text, the title on the on the front cover in in each language. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite a lot of work. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> so one of the aspects we were really interested in when we were doing the exhibition is how your books are full of animals in the natural world. Now, you yourself um, are very involved in environmental projects outside of your books. And we were just wondering, um, what role do you think that reading books about, you know, the natural world and environment can have in shaping children from a young age? Like, when you get them at that young age, how effective do you think it is?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think very young children just respond to animals. So, I mean, you know, um, I was just hanging out with my my nephew and nieces, and um they love animals and uh you know if you take them to to the, my sister works in a seal sanctuary and and we we've taken them to the to the seals and and different things uh you know uh farms and stuff and they're just i mean I know as a child I was absolutely obsessed with animals and just like any animals at all i i I'd be. Uh, very keen on. I think we just sort of grow out of that. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's just something that we naturally, we respond to. We just sort of, we see another animal and, and we're, yeah, uh, we identify with the animals. And
3: I think as well, um, as Simon was saying, like about the universality earlier as well, the fact that they're not, there's no necessarily human characters and they're all animal characters really helps that kind of, I suppose, that global focus.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I I mean, when I'm coming up with a story, I'm always trying to, the the reason that I choose animals is I, I want to sort of dramatize a situation or an emotion. And I'm trying to think of the most dramatic way to sort of show that. So, um, if if I was to if if I had to use a human character the whole time you know the story about being lost you would have to do a setup where you you know there you are with your your mom or your dad in the supermarket and then the next page you're looking at the carrots and your mom is doing this and then the next page and oh I'm lost so that's quite a setup you know there's like three pages of. Uh, sort of, how did this happen with, with an owl, like baby owls just fall out of their nests, like literally just w- in one, one action, they're were up in bed happily. And now they're in the middle of a forest completely lost. And, and that's the thing that actually happens to baby owls. And it's, you know, we, we can identify, we don't think that's strange that, you know, suddenly, they the, so it, each animal has a different thing that they do that you know sort of uh i've I've used to dramatize this situation so another example would be the um don't worry little crab and there's this little crab who's worried about going into the into the sea and uh there's these waves uh coming so the and the waves are the are the pages. So when you turn the page, you get, you get a splash and it's, uh, so it's, it's just a very, you know, I mean, that whole idea is maybe going to school or going to like fear of the unknown. And that's, that would require quite a lot of setup that's not very visual with a human child, if you were to tell that story as a human child, but with a crab it's it's like this uh, the whole concept is visualized in as the sea and as the waves and this, these waves are are actually physically battering the crab and the the crab doesn't want to go into the sea so it and, and then it physically does go into the sea and so then we have gone from the edge into this environment. so it's it's just a very visual way of making this situation sort of relatable and, um, it's just told through, through, through visuals, basically.
1: It's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting actually that the yeah, of what you're saying by, um, by using animals, you're kind of sidestepping the kind of the, the, the baggage, of the kind of human empathy bit and you're getting straight into the discussion about what the emotional situation is for the characters and that's something that can be kind of really a, that that the children can really kind of identify with then like they can identify with being lost or being afraid of doing something because it's for them it's a huge thing with yeah. no with no baggage it's just like a thing that happens and it's scary yeah um but it does make me think Chris that it's like you know uh and this kind of probably sounds mischievous but like um you know although we although you're saying we kind of we lose that connection with animals as characters uh, and that kind of empathy with them maybe or maybe it's not empathy with something else as we get older and um, so we're less interested in animals as characters in things mm-hmm. um but i i just love to know what a, what a kind of what a chris houghton book for adults that dealt with really adult themes through animals would look like you know in in that kind of really simple language because to me like you know all that's happening is just like some, some really effective uh, piece of art. That's what's going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm actually working
2: on a book sort of for older children and adults with animals, sort of nonfiction book. Oh, brilliant. Um,
1: that wasn't a setup question. I, no, no,
2: no, I it, didn't it wasn't. Notice. Yeah, no, just, I'm, I'm like, you know, it's like, did you, did you know? I mean, you know. Um, but yeah, it's a evolution book, book on evolution, uh, and with Richard Dawkins actually, you know, um, so yeah, like, uh, I, I read the ancestor's tale, uh, it's kind of his biggest book. It's a, uh, sort of story of all of evolution. And I was just like, wow, this is just, I'd love to do that and, uh, put a proposal together to sort of do a sort of it's kind of an infographic version of that mm. um and i've sh- showed it to him and he's he likes it so hopefully we're we're going right. ahead with that yeah
1: the
2: yeah so it's it, it completely different from um uh the picture books but in the same way it's i don't see it as so different it's Everything is taught, like my approach is just everything's told visually and this book will be, it's just in like, it could almost work without words and just shows like evolution going from, you know, uh, single cell, uh, to, to us in, in 40 pages and, uh, almost kind of like a flip book, um, sort of thing. but. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of the approach that I've had since before doing picture books is, is you know, you take text and you sort of go, H- how, what, how should this be illustrated and how, how can this be made visible? Mm. And uh, that's exactly the same approach as I have with uh, children's stories or, or with uh, adults things.
1: Yeah. Well, it's fascinating. God, loads of ideas. <laughs> Projects that kind of drive rough, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, we're, we are in the Museum of literature Ireland and um and Ireland I suppose hasn't had um as uh, prolific a history of um picture books um when you compare it with the UK and other countries um, but certainly in uh, in recent years and definitely over the last decade there's just been there's been this huge upsurge mm. um, in amazing picture books coming out of Ireland um, and a really kind of wonderful culture of it. And, uh, and, you know, do you think do you think that there's kind of larger shifts, cultural shifts that have contributed to that here in Ireland as, as, as someone who's been kind of working away from the country and looking at us kind of from a distance? Well, I, th- I think there's a, a
2: real interest in design and visual culture here, which kind of had never been here before. I don't think, I mean, when I was growing up, yeah, there, w- there wasn't much sort of visual culture. I, you know, went to art college and, um, but I think, uh, you know, in, in the last few years, th- things like offset and, and, and things like that, which are absolutely massive, uh, you know, I mean, one of the, the, the biggest and most exciting, uh, uh, festivals of design in in Europe uh, you know happening in Ireland and and uh, a lot of yo- I mean I think it's the we have a very young um, population as well uh, so there's just a, a lot of uh, interest in, in in design and illustration and um, yeah it's it's hard to really know what I mean there's just so many factors in, involved. But, um, yeah, well, I mean, we, we, a lot of the people that I know that have got into picture books, many have come from sort of the animation background. So, sort of, you know, Don Bluth Studios and, and that sort of thing. So I think that, Ballyfermit and Leary has had a big influence with that as well. You know, animation is very, has a storytelling element. It's very visual. And, and I worked uh, briefly in animation uh quite a bit it's it's very useful to have a sort of background in in animation and just sort of a, a that knowledge of, of that kind of craft uh, and and Ireland has had that uh and has that so i think i mean there's millions of factors but i think they'd be ones that you know might stand out mm-hmm. um but i do think i mean um, we have a way of sort of telling stories and having this sort of banter thing that I think is really deeply embedded in us. And I am I, um, um, one of my best friends is uh, from Castlebar, and uh, we we went to India together. He's he's now a stand-up comedian and and. Uh, um, but it, he always says, like, in Castlebar and, and in the West, the whole th- um, currency is in the pub telling stories. And, you know, if you can kind of, it's, you get all your jobs through there, you get everything it's sort of, you know. And <laughs> up until recently, that was every, you know, I mean, it was just... Uh, we're, you know, I, I have this sort of oral culture storytelling thing, and it's really sort of uh, respected if, if you can kind of tell a good story and, and Mm. that, and that's, that's the, it's the same skill, I think, that and, uh, picture books, because it's just, how do you, how do you wrap up this sentence and make it funny? You know, how do you Mm. make a little punchline with this ending? And I don't think it, it just doesn't, you know, we're, we're good at being kind of funny in that very just uh make a sentence funny to to, to sort of have little punchlines within it and and uh line up a a one line sort of gag i think it's this sort of pub it's a special <laughs> national skill yeah no no but it, it's yeah. it's real like you know uh you know when you think of all the families and everybody is doing this and you you pick it up from such an early age that mm. you know yeah, it's it, it, it's it's not everywhere, you know. It's um, this sort of just everyone turns into a joke, and yeah. you know.
3: <laughs> and have you ever?
1: And, and and have you come across that? Um, then say in translation, where uh, you know, where a piece of work, and you you know, and it has this piece of yours, it has this kind of, um, you know, very kind of like discreet little moment of humor in the kind of combination of the small amount of words and the visual storytelling that then just like really can't translate have you come up have you come up against translators just kind of not um finding it difficult to to, to 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 transmit that in another language
2: it's no i mean i would say well like from from what i know and i you know i i i speak well i i i i can understand spanish all right and i've been uh when i was i did a tour in japan i um I toured a little bit with the, the translator and she was telling me all of the, the things and she's, um, but I, I'm always amazed actually at the translators, how the clever little things that they need to do to make that joke work, you know, with that language. And so, you know, each each one manages to 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 overcome it in a different way like Hmm. um but yeah like it's actually quite inspiring to me hearing how it's translated and you know because they they have their own little jokes in within the thing like uh we have a plan in japanese is like we have and it's it's basically the first plan and then you know and the second plan and you know, in, Mm. in Japanese it's the, you know, Ichiban or whatever, number one plan and, you know, number two plan and then, and then they have an extra joke at the end because it's number four plan, you know, which is, you know, kind of underlines it, whereas, you know, that, that ending isn't quite as strong in the English, it's stronger than in, in the Japanese. Oh yeah. Uh, Fascinating. And I was like, oh wow. and then. yeah, I I mean, yeah, it's, it's quite difficult. To, I'd have to think of the
1: examples. it <laughs> come, come to me in a minute. Yeah. Well, listen, Chris, it's been amazing to um, to be able to chat to you about uh, about your work. Thanks so much for coming in. My um, pleasure. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to, to more. Um, you know, I think, well, I'm sure you know that your adult audience is probably as big as your child audience <laughs> um, and uh, looking forward to seeing uh, some of those other projects you were talking about as well coming down the line thanks a million thank you very much
3: thank you so much
0: cheers you've been listening to the picture book illustrator and writer chris haughton in conversation with molly zoe brady and simon o'connor to visit the exhibition purple squirrel just visit molly.ie to book your tickets this recording was produced by ian dunphy and benedict stepper Connolly with ian dunphy on sound For more from Radio Mali, visit radio.mali.ie.